Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. everyone it is sunday some of you might be going to church some of you might get ready to fire up but no matter where you are it's time to jump into the rotation ladies and gentlemen non-binary viewers I am your executive director, Christopher Kano. It is a pleasure to be joining you this morning. And of course, as always, our amazing deputy director, holding it down in Ybor City, also running it as our show's producer and engineer, Carlos Armida. Carlos, how you doing this morning? Bro? Hi, how you doing? There we go. That's a much more suitable applause sound. There we go. Oh, man. Well, look, we're, we're uh, you know, we've had a, a wild month. Uh, October was a, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs with the campaign season, but everything is drawing to a close this week. Tuesday is election day. You know, today is souls to the polls. So folks are getting out of church and going to vote. And so they may not know, you know, exactly what's on the line, but I know what's on the line. You know what's on the line. For those who are politically active, they understand that the future of this country, and in particular, an issue important to all of us, the legalization of cannabis is on the line. Because if there's a change in power at the federal level, uh, we are more most likely not going to see any movement on cannabis legalization. And that is just a, a shame because we've seen so much great movement uh, in the past two years with the passage of the Moore Act, uh, with the introduction of the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act in the Senate, um, as well as, you know, uh, President Biden, who was once someone who, you know, was behind the three strikes laws and in the 94 crime bill, actually changing his stance and, and uh, you know, pardoning and, and, uh, and, and addressing the records of folks who have federal marijuana charges. Now, there's a lot of criticism uh, behind President Biden in his action. You know, people say, oh, well, there's no one in, in federal prison for simple possession. But there are over 6,500 people uh, in the D.C. area who have gotten, uh, you know, cannabis uh, charges that this does help. These are folks who will now be able to get jobs. These are folks who will now be able to apply for apartments. And so, you know, going out and voting is vitally important. Um, we are a nonpartisan organization. But I want people to understand is that we are going to support the candidates that support us, that support patients, that support caregivers, that support our families. And they are people who are going to support us having the right to self-determine um, and make the decision to be a medical marijuana patient between ourselves and our doctors and not the politicians. And I think that's a, a big issue that uh, going into this election, you know, we should talk about. But, you know, Carlos, you, you have not always been a, you know, a politically active person, as, as I've known over the years. But over over the time of this show in the past year, I've, I've seen you take a, a bigger interest in it. How are you feeling about this upcoming election? I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> no, I especially for Florida, man, because uh, it, it seems 
you know, we're we're a nonpartisan organization, yeah. But I mean, I I've definitely um, seen what what our Republican um, ran Florida government has done with the cannabis industry that we voted in, and it hasn't been good. No, you know? um, the system is uh, has been closed off. Patients are spending up the ass about it. Um, it, it, it hasn't been good at all. Um, and quite honestly, like, you know, politics is business, man. That's all it is. You know, a political campaign is a business to, to, to get the man elected. And Ron DeSantis has the most funding. He's got the biggest, the biggest pockets. Um, what his regime, I would say, has done to our political system here in Florida has made it impossible for, for Democrats to really, um, win in their districts. It's made it impossible for, hey, Gary's here. Um, it's made it impossible for, oh, he's a black box. There he is. Um, it's, it's made it impossible for real change to happen, man. Um, it's impossible to get an amendment initiative passed. You know, it, you really need funding for that. Um, and money talks. And right now, the Democrats don't have a lot of money in Florida. Um, it seems to me that Republicans are going to win across the board. We're going to spend a couple more years under this strict and repressive medical marijuana system. And that's it. We, we've got to start focusing on getting amendment initiatives passed, I think. You're right. I mean, what we've seen under um, the Florida GOP and DeSantis' administration, um, there was a big effort uh, to restrict how we can even get constitutional amendments on the ballot. You know, they wanted to increase the voting threshold. Um, they've made it very difficult to hire, you know, paid petitioners, um, all for the sake of accountability and election integrity. Uh, you know, DeSantis even created this election integrity task force, which is supposed to prevent voter fraud, but all he's doing is targeting people who were former felons who had their rights restored under Amendment 4, and, and he's looking for any loophole or some reason to intimidate them, arrest them, and, and it is it's a shame. And, 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 and the sad part about it is, is that there was more voter fraud coming out of the villages which is a heavily Trump-supported area than there was in Miami-Dade or Hillsborough County or St. Pete or any of the places where we've seen DeSantis attempting to crack down uh, with his election Gestapo. Gary. I just got on. Uh, I, think, I think we're talking about the uh, the mess that is Florida's uh, system right now as far as voting is concerned. It is a mess. However, I should say that, uh, where is it? I voted. I got my, my, my early voting in, and I'm I not going to say who, who I voted for, but suffice to say the hellfire will rain down. Uh, <laughs> okay, but, so uh, I haven't voted yet, um, and, you know, uh, I've got the reputation of being the least politically active guy here. Um, you guys, uh, I lean on you guys to tell me who to vote for and tell me what's going on politically. What the hell should I do? Well, that's a good question, Carlos. Um, you know, let's talk and start with the top of the ballot. Uh, we have a, an interesting matchup uh, with Governor Ron DeSantis versus former governor and current congressman Charlie Crist. You know, um, Charlie Crist comes with, uh, you know, the baggage that we all recall with his time as attorney general and his time as a Republican governor in the state. But, you know, times have changed, if you will. 
what was once, uh, you know, a conservative governor uh, in Charlie Chris now seems in a lot of ways uh, to be liberal on the side of the aisle because of the way the Republicans have taken certain stances on the culture wars. But all in all, um, you know, Charlie Chris has come on this show um, more than once. He has committed to saying, you know, that if you can brew your own beer in the state of Florida, you should be able to grow your own cannabis. That is the antithesis of what Ron DeSantis has said in that he doesn't want us to have our own cannabis because he can't stand the, the funky smell. Yeah. And the other thing about uh, DeSantis and his crew on the uh, on the right side is they feel that they are still involved in the, uh, the, the coal memo. They feel they have to have a robust regulatory system in place in order for us to have this item in, in the first place. And when it comes to home grow, it's very difficult to regulate. Mm -hmm. The whole concept of home grow is the fact that it's unregulated. You, you can actually grow your own in your home without having anybody come over here and uh, go to your house and do an inspection to make certain you're properly cultivating and things of that sort. But they can't do that. Not in the way that other states have done it, like where Michigan has said, you can just grow 12 plants on your own. The problem with the folks over Tallahassee is they're saying, but if you do that, they're going to start growing for the neighborhood. They're going to start passing it out on Halloween. You know, everybody's going to get an eighth bag. Awesome. That is, that is their attitude. They call that the gray market or uh, <clears throat> misdistribution. Let's put it that way. I just want to say that I am very disappointed in how much Nancy Reagan and her ilk told me growing up that I would be getting free drugs uh, from people. It, it's, it, it was just a, a bold-faced lie. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm mad that the Ninja Turtles lied to me. Michelangelo was literally came on TV one day and told me that I would get free weed from people, and that's just never materialized. That was that, that must have been when you were microdosing a little bit too much. <laughs> no, this was when I was a child, Gary. I was like nine, ten years old, and and the Reagan administration and the Bush administration co-opted the Ninja Turtles into the Just Say No campaign. And so Nancy Reagan got you know my favorite cartoon characters to to, to try and scare me in the fact that uh, there that I was going to be offered free drugs you know every day at middle school. <laughs> I mean, we 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 do have DoorDash type delivery. Uh, directly from legal MMTCs right now. It'd be great if we could possibly get a delivery system that would allow us to do more than just one dispensary at a time. So if we wanted to get this delivery from various uh, dispensaries, we could just have it all brought to us at one time. But uh, that's that, that would involve more regulation that they're re more than ready to do, but the um, MMTCs are not. <laughs> and so obviously we have to come to terms with the, uh, the politicians we have. And the politicians we have are based on who we vote for. And yeah, yeah you, you can't go based on how people were 10 years ago. I mean, at, when DeSantis first came on, he even said, we're going to get rid of those cartels. And if you were listening to him then, and you believed him, then you'd assume that we weren't, we weren't going to have the system that we still have right now. That is still controlling the, uh, the entire cannabis industry here in the state of Florida. 22 licenses. Uh, 15 of which are active, one or two of which seem to uh, take over the entire industry in the state of Florida, and that is not the free market. Mm. Oh, Gary, you know, we have our, our, our pick for license, that would make it 23, right? But the interesting thing I read the other okay, day... I have that either. 
Oh, okay. The interesting thing I read the other day is that based on the way the legislature wrote the implementation, you know, every 100,000 patients, they were supposed to dish out five more licenses. Uh, we're currently 22 licenses behind. We should actually have 45 licenses in this state right now at a minimum. So when you talk about free market economics and capitalism, the Florida GOP uh, act more, you know, <laughs> like uh, third world, you know, uh, 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 warlords than anything. They're not supporting the free market. They're not doing what they need to do. Uh, the DeSantis administration has an inept bureaucracy. The Office of Medical Marijuana Use has changed heads, uh, 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 you know, a couple times during his his uh, his tenure. Um, all in all, Ron DeSantis has done jack shit to improve the lives of medical marijuana patients. Um, you know, the most he can point to is is several years ago when he got up and said we were going to make smokable flour a thing. I don't even know why that was an issue. That should have been uh, uh, out from Jump Street. But, you know, that's his party in their poor implementation of what the voters wanted in this amendment. You know, I'm more akin to uh, identify with what Joe Redner's uh, constitutional argument was, is that the amendment said the entire plan. So that means uh, by nature, that amendment says that I should have access and be able to grow my own and be able to juice it, be able to use the roots, the leaves, all of that. You shouldn't be dependent on an MMTC's products, which we've seen over the past four years. We've had corruption and lab testing. Uh, we've had MMTC's having to recall products because there's mold, pesticides, microplastics. Corporate booth is a real thing, people, and it is not cool. It is not good for sick people to be smoking that bullshit. And again, words matter. We were in Tallahassee saying, don't just call it smokable flour, call it whole flour, because we do more with it than just uh, throw it into a pipe and smoke it. And that actually opened up the, uh, the realms of them saying, well, smoking itself is bad for you because you inhale all these hydrocarbons from the plant matter and yada, 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 yada. Uh, and I said, well, in that case, let's talk about whole flour because people do take the, the, the flour and they grab their magic butter machine and they make edibles with it or whatever else they want to do with it at home. The whole point is it's theirs to do with as they wish, which is actually true. But it's well, Gary, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me go ahead and, and knock down that claim about you know the uh, smoking being bad for you. Uh, this week in the uh, Israeli journal uh, Rabam Maimonides, um, Maimonides. Maimonides, thank you. My, my, you my Greek and my Hebrew aren't up to par. But uh, it showed <laughs> that the inhalation of THC-dominant cannabis flower uh, long-term safely mitigates the symptom of chronic lower back pain and is much more effective than the use of CBD-dominant extracts. That's right, because the, uh, the mucosa in the lungs is much more amenable to, it, it, uh, to absorbing the smoke and therefore getting it to your body that much faster. A little bit easier towards the blood, the uh, blood brain barrier, so to speak, as opposed to edibles where it has to go through the stomach, get metabolized in the liver, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, and again, be honest with you, there have been studies that have actually shown that smoking cannabis actually decreases uh, uh, in, uh, bronchospasms and makes, makes it easier for, for asthmatics to breathe, which I'm well aware of because that's, that's one of the situations that I've been stuck in because. I got burned by Paraquat back in the 1980s, and I had some lung damage. So, 
I, well, when it comes when it comes to moving forward on adult use, the thing that the Republicans and, and conservatives in general, when when they bring up their expert witnesses, always want to uh, cry is, "What about the children? What about the kids? They're going to put." They're going to put marijuana in the Halloween candy. Oh, kids will have more access to it. And it's and, and, and I just want to put a stop to that bullshit right now, because according to data published in the, in the Journal of Cannabis and Cannabinoid Research, uh, the enactment of state level laws legalizing marijuana for adults does not influence early adolescents' attitudes towards its potential risk. It doesn't. It all has to do with the marketing. I mean, tobacco companies targeted youth. Because they needed replacement smokers, because they knew that people were dying in their in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and so therefore, if they get them hooked when they're in their teens, therefore they have a large supply of customers ad ad nauseum, and uh, <clears throat> that just is not happening with cannabis. We are not marketing the kids. If they put cannabis into a gummy bear, it's not because we're trying to force it into a kid's throat. No, it's because millennials grew up eating Flintstone gummies, and now we're in our 40s. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and, and it's good to see that you had all those great vitamins in you. <laughs> I, I see you. Yes, I, 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 I'm quite, 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 quite healthy over here. <laughs> there you go. And we, we also had uh, uh, high, high, glucose, high uh, fructose corn syrup to, to beef us up, too. We, we've always been very healthy in the United States and always will be. But we are trying to actually do something to make people healthier. That, that is why we're supposed to supposedly have a medical program here in the state of Florida. And uh, let me tell you the other day, we don't have a medical program. We have a veiled medical program that is actually more recreational. And of course, I don't even like to use, use the word recreational because they use the word recreational for heroin use too. And, well, you know, Gary, I want to I want to uh, uh, harp on that for a second because if we really had a a recreationally slanted program, uh, we'd be more like Washington D.C. Uh, the, in the District of Columbia, uh, uh, Mayor Muriel Browser has signed legislation which increased cannabis possession limits for authorized patients and permits non-residents to access the city's medical marijuana dispensaries by self. Um, uh, identifying as having to need medical marijuana without a doctor's recommendation. And temporary non-resident, uh, um, you know, ID cards are valid for 30 days at their dispensaries. So, I mean, she's taken some of the good things that you've written in your reciprocity and and, and, and eliminated the middleman by not having, you know, people have to spend $300 on a doctor's recommendation, you know? Yeah, well... I, I, one thing I, I also need to, to mention is the fact that a lot of people say, well, we have this law in this state, and we have that law in that state, so we should replicate it exactly the same over here in Florida, and then we'll have exactly what they have. It doesn't work that way. Oklahoma actually has a law which says whatever a doctor will approve is fine with them as far as uh, a, a, a cannabis license is concerned to have medical cannabis. But that's not going to happen in the state of Florida. They, it, it was built from the, from the ground up always putting the doctor in the hot seat, so to speak, as far as what condition you have. And then they threw the board of medicine on top saying that, which is, is a, a bunch of politically based doctors who are deciding whether or not your doctor's uh, recommendation was valid or not. And that, that is inserting somebody else between you and your doctor who's not even there, who doesn't know you, who doesn't know anything about your history, but who's go, going basically off of gross statistics 
uh, in this state deciding whether or not they're uh, putting out too many recommendations for, for pain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in the state of Florida, what I decided to do was put through an, a, a, a bill that would increase the number of qualifying conditions. I added another 35 that are popular and, and have, have been used across the country so that doctors wouldn't have to use any mental gymnastics to give you your medical card, wouldn't have to say, well, your, your illness looks something like this one that's actually one of the, one of the 10 that we have. And so therefore we're going to do it just so they can get uh, scrutinized by the board of medicine, the board of osteopathic medicine. It mm. doesn't make any sense. Let's give the doctors a break. Let's extend the number of qualifying conditions that are out there so that it's so much easier for you to get a card and less, yeah. less, less, less hot seat for them. No, Gary, I think you're absolutely right. You know, there needs the, so, you know, I've spoken with National Normal about this, and, and one of the things they did in Virginia uh, with their normal chapters, they put forward legislation that essentially has eliminated all the qualifying conditions and, and not have a, a qualifier. Just if a doctor recommends it, it is what it is, right? Like that's the qualifying condition. Your doctor says you need it. Um, and I think that makes sense because, you know, we're seeing uh, uh, conditions that are helped by cannabis that people may not realize. Like, for example, in the Journal of Clinical Medicine, most recently, um, hepatitis C uh, virus infected patients who consume cannabis have been found less likely than non-users to suffer either hypertension or other medical metabolic disorders. And so, the, you know, they took a cohort of, of uh, over 6,000 people infected with, with hepatitis C in France, and they were able to, to find that, you know, they had fewer metabolic disorders like obesity, diabetes, hypertension, than those people who had no history of cannabis consumption. And so, you know, hep C isn't on our list, is it? No, it's not. No, so autism, which really should be. Autism, yes, and exactly. And anemia, which should be. What about Tourette's syndrome? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's not on there. Exactly. It's nuts. It's it, nuts. It goes under that Why the fuck is a, a like or similar nature. I know, Carlos, right? Why the fuck? You know? Well, I <laughs> mean, but, but, like, the fact that we have that clause that's, like, anything that a doctor deems a debilitating medical condition, doesn't that leave it pretty open, though? Like... I mean, do we need to like get rid of all of those qualifiers? Like, if a doctor deems autism to be debilitating, then the doctor can recommend that, right? Well, we don't have that exactly in those words. What it says is that you can ha you should have a a uh, condition that's like or similar to one of the other uh, delineated conditions out there. So it has I to look kind of like PTSD if you have uh, chronic anxiety or chronic depression, which mm. are not the same thing. No, because, because chronic anxiety and chronic uh, uh, depression do not need a trigger, whereas PTSD is a trigger uh, phenomenon. And it's confusing me, too, because you, you were saying earlier, I mean, I think I just jumped in, but like uh, you were saying earlier that, that people are saying that our system is a lot like just a recreational based system. But you have to have all of these qualifying conditions. I, I pay for... Uh, some of my employees uh medical recommendations you know i pay for them to go see the doctor and whatnot and the truth is is that it's it's difficult to find a doctor that's willing to diagnose a condition as debilitating mm. you know they have to have a pre-diagnosed condition right like they they it's kind of like a safety net that these doctors use 
Yeah. Where, yeah. They want to have another doctor have already signed off on it, right? Yeah, this doctor said it was debilitating. I'm just, you know, I'm just the guy that can recommend the marijuana, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, when I say that, that the, we have a veiled uh, medical program, I, what I mean basically is that once you leave that doctor's office, once you've gotten your recommendation, the program looks less and less medical. I'll give you a very quick example. Went into a dispensary. I'm not going to say which one. <clears throat> well, what the hell? Uh, no, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to blame Move for this one. Uh, but <laughs> they, uh, I went in there and uh, I was just basically getting set on my own. And somebody else next to me was saying, uh, "This this strain right here is it good for migraines?" And what the ladies behind the counter said, "I got to tell you, this will knock you off your ass." I don't <laughs> think that was the question. I don't think the woman asked what 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 here will. will prevent me from sitting down properly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I understand your concern there, Gary, but like, what if that strain specifically, like it it could have been that 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 butt tender is warning this person, hey, that's not for headaches, That's, that's knock you on your ass shit, right? The headache weeds over here, was that like anything, did you feel that was going on at all? No, she, she was promoting it as a positive. She was saying, if you, this, this stuff is great. It'll make you feel so cool. This thing is great. This will knock you off your ass. This is great. This will make you think of, of, of creatively all day. And the woman was saying, I have migraines. These are things that, you know, I get an aura, lets me know it's coming on, and then I'm gone for the next 24 hours where I can't handle light or, or sound, and I have to put a towel over my head, and I can't work. I can't sleep. I can't do anything. This is what I'm trying to deal with. I'm not trying to find out what will knock me off my ass at a party. That's basically mm-hmm. it. And that's that's why I say we have a veiled medical program. We don't have very many bud tenders who even really understand the concept of what the receptors do. And by the way, I have to say this, happy 92nd birthday, Rafael Mishulam, who just had right. his birthday yesterday. Hey, happy birthday to Dr. Mishulam. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Mishulam is actually the scientist uh, from Hebrew University that discovered uh, an isolated THC, CBD, and the and uh, you know contributed to discovering the endocannabinoid system. Most people don't realize, but the vast majority of research uh, that we've had on on the medicinal uses of cannabis um, has come out of Israel and has not even really been fully explored or discovered until the 90s. So you know, in a lot of ways, right now we're on the cutting edge of research in this country and in our states. You know, especially with the federal government still not fully uh, descheduling and decriminalizing. Um, so, you know, in a lot of ways, if you're a medical marijuana patient, you are you are a pioneer um, in medical research right now. <laughs> That's right. I'm a pioneer, man. Um, the cutting edge. Well, it it, it kind of sucks, man, because like I, I the the whole point of this episode is to talk about. Uh, uh, you know what's going on voting wise and it just feels like it's we're gonna stay stuck in time for in the next couple of years man and it, uh, it, it, yeah i don't i don't know how else to, to put it like it, it doesn't look like we're going to vote any type of uh, we're going to be able to get any type of uh amendment initiative passed anytime soon well and yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like we're going to have any friendly legislators in, in you know here in florida like uh, the only hope is possibly some sort of like federal legalization thing going on. Well, well Carlos, you, you know, there... a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, rather, 
And he, he basically said they're not interested in doing any kind of cannabis regi- uh, legislation this upcoming session. You're not going to see anything of it as far as he can see. And he has been one of our champions in, yeah. in, in there in the fray, so to speak. Yeah, he went and now he now he's turned out of office. So we're we're you know we're definitely uh, you're right, Carlos. When looking for allies, it's it's going to be difficult. And then even then, the allies that we currently have uh, in a lot of ways, people like you know um, Carlos Guillermo Smith, uh, who's always been there for us. Uh, you know Anna Eskimani, uh, they're even being challenged. You know in in their what you would think safe districts. Uh, and so you know there's no guarantees um, that you know we'll see. Uh, some of the same people in the legislature. I mean, Andrew Learned is another uh, ally that we've had uh, that is currently in a contested race. But all in all, um, you know, when we're talking about races, you know, DeSantis versus Chris, I got to give the vote to Chris, you know, and then looking uh, further down the ballot, we're looking, you know, or rather at the top is United States Senator. And Marco Rubio doesn't even send nice emails when you try to email him about an issue about cannabis, whether it's, you know, you're asking him to support his piece of legislation or you're asking him to come on board with this issue within the Cannabis Caucus in Congress. And he is just a flat out prohibitionist. Um, he's he's a product. Of, he's a Reagan baby, if you will. He really believes that just say no bullshit and all the talking points that come with it. You know, he he probably still has his dare T-shirt, you know, under his <laughs> under his shirt and tie. And that that's just. That's not the person we need. Um, you know, Val Demings, uh, in her time in Congress, you know, I know that that's the ironic thing, right? For a lot of people, it's like, wait, you want me to vote for the police? You want me to vote for the police chief? And let's just be real. Yes, Val Demings was a police chief um, of Orlando. However, in her time in Congress, she's voted for the Morat twice. So, you know, when it came down to the votes, she voted where it needed to be. And Marco Rubio has done jack shit to help us advance this. He's still a prohibitionist. So, you know, if we could get at least one non-prohibitionist senator uh, up in, up in co- uh, Congress, then I think that would uh, go a long way. So vote has to go to Val Demings on that one. All right. Now, I need to preempt almost all of our conversations in regards to uh, voting this year a, a little bit about polls. Now. Uh, you see a lot of these polls out there saying, you know, Demings is down by five, then she was up by two, and uh, Chris was up by seven, now he's down by seven. Let, let's, let's be certain about what polls are and what polls are not. They are a snapshot made by a, a sampling of individuals. It is not everybody's vote put together. It's basically a, a bunch of people who they've asked who may or may not be likely voters, and they may actually skew the, the sampling to be more right-wing than left-wing. And so polls are never meant to be a forecast of who is going to win. It is strictly a snapshot of a certain number of individuals that were picked by the poller to go ahead and, and, and find out what their ideas were at that point in time. And you can take it as that, it's just, you know, you go to somebody's house and you ask a couple of questions and you'll get the answers of the people in that house. It may not be necessarily the, the uh, responses you'd get every single where you go, but it's that house. No, you're right, Gary. I mean, one of the things I recall in my master's program was uh, them, you know, uh, making sure that you have the proper sample size and that you're also uh, making sure you're not uh, geographically locking in one area. We know that Florida tends to be islands of blue and swaths of red based on voter registration. So you have these islands like Tampa, St. Pete, uh, Miami, Palm Beach, you know, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Jacksonville, if you will, Tallahassee. 
but then the rest, the, 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 the country areas, the areas you're driving uh, to get to those places, whether it's Sebring or Polk County or, or you know, outside of Gainesville, um, you know, Marion County and such, those areas are red. If you call houses just in those red areas, then you're going to be able to get, you know, a, a poll that shows that DeSantis is kicking ass. If you just poll people in the Tampa urban corridor, you're going to be able to get a poll that shows that Chris is leading. And we see that every single time. You're right. It's not uh, an actual snapshot of the state. In fact, we won't actually know until probably 9, 10 o'clock, maybe even later on Election Day, uh, depending on how close the race is, if, if there's a winner. Ron DeSantis only won against Andrew Gillum by point. Four percent, you know, and and so if you think about all the things that Gillum had going for him versus you know Chris, um, you know one of the things I recall knocking on doors, even among traditional Democrat voting houses uh, in the last election in 2018, was that they weren't voting for Gillum because he was black, and that's just an honest part of Florida politics that we that that, that need to be addressed. Now you got Charlie Chris running up against DeSantis, you got two white guys going at it, you know. It's it's going to be a, a probably even a closer toss up. Now, what the X factor in all of this is, is the flight out of other states to Florida, um, and it's the conservative flight out of California, out of New York, because Florida doesn't have an income tax, and so moving to Florida, you know, as a tax haven. It's definitely something we've seen over the years and that Florida also the real estate boom. So there are hundreds of thousands of conservatives that have moved into this state and that could swing the election as well. And so we have to deal with the fact that there are polls out there that are actually almost meant. I haven't even gotten into push polls, but that, that's another thing altogether. That's where they have leading questions. They ask you uh, questions in a way that you would answer it. You know, do you want to see your children, uh, turn into drug addicts or would you prefer to see uh, cannabis uh, made illegal completely i mean they yeah <laughs> yeah though those those polls where you could tell that there's an inherent bias in how they're asking the questions exactly and, and i've been dealt with dealing with them for, for months now every time i see a uh, a call from a, an unknown source i just don't bother answering it because most of them have been push polls lately so why even bother but, you know, we live in an era where, yeah, people don't pick up the phones for numbers they don't recognize. I'm the same way. I mean, I have thousands and thousands of numbers programmed in my phone. If you're not in my phone, you're probably either a spammer or, you know, it, it's uh, it's maybe a first time call to Suncoast Normal. But, uh, yeah, typically I don't pick up numbers I don't recognize. And so um, in that texting has become a big thing, too. I get uh, polls via text now all the time. They'll text me a poll. Hey, we want your opinion on this. And then I'm reading through the polls and I'm like, oh, this poll was horribly constructed. Y'all are looking for a, a certain outcome. And so polling companies in themselves are selling a product to these politicians that have a whole bunch of money on hand. And so you got to understand that if you're going to trust the polls, understanding that, 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 that they're charlatans in a lot of ways, too, and that they're just trying to get off on the fact that we have all this money in our political system. And if you want to make money in, in politics, start a polling company and, and sell polls to candidates to tell them what they want to hear. And they mentioned the Fabrizio polls yesterday in regards to DeSantis saying how far ahead he was. Well, Fabrizio is a friend of DeSantis. Fabrizio basically set up polls to make Trump uh, – uh, poll numbers look look higher in florida yeah and so what do you expect i mean you get what you pay for 
Well, you know, the, the, the division in our country is so tight, right? Like, like 48% of people are always going to vote Democrat. 48% of people are always going to vote Republican. It's, it's that small 2% of voters that people want to get to. And a lot of times they're non, non-party affiliated voters. It's not like they're Democrats who are going to vote Republican and Republicans who are going to vote Democrats. They're those folks who say, well, I vote for the candidate, not the party. And, and so um, they'll hype up poll numbers because groupthink is a real thing in this country. People want to vote for a winner. And oftentimes people will, if you can intimidate someone enough to get them to believe like, oh, I'm voting for that person is throwing your vote away. I want to vote for a winner. I mean, that's just, it, it, you know, it's a dopamine release in, in a lot of ways. People people feel good about voting for a winner. That's just America. We're, we love winners. You know, if you ever seen the, the movie Patton, in the beginning, General Patton's giving this monologue and he's like, you know, uh, America loves a winner. It will not tolerate a loser. You know, because losing is hateful to us, and 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 that's also why um, you know the big lie is, is so popular in in this country, and the fact that people think that the last election in 2020 was rigged because there were so many people who found it distasteful that they backed a, a con artist like Donald Trump and they lost. You know, is it, 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 in 2016 a lot of those folks they you know, we're disaffected. I mean, I was a disaffected voter in 2016 when Bernie Sanders was, was screwed out of the primary, when the Democrats read the primary against Bernie. Uh, I, I, I was one of those people who's like, what do I do now? Do I vote for someone, you know, who was a union buster while they were on the board of Walmart, who's been a hawk uh, when it comes to foreign policy, who has takes money from all the wrong people, who happens to be a member of my party, or do I vote for this guy who's stirring up xenophobic and racist sentiments among the worst parts of our country? And it's like, God, you know, it's like a choice between a douche and a turd sandwich. It's a choice between, you know, a, 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 a Darth Vader and the devil. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. And when you get a lot of people who are very disinterested and disenchanted and say, we need to have a three or four party system. And they end up voting for Lyndon LaRouche, which is what I did during college. <laughs> well, you know, I, I find it interesting in that Australia um, has one of those multi-party systems, but also has compulsory voting. If you don't vote in Australia, you get a ticket. Now, that's not a very American thing for us. We're all about freedom. So, But uh, thinking about the fact that they have 96% turnout. Um, Oregon is a unique state in that everybody in that state gets a vote by mail ballot. It's, there's no in-person voting locations. Like you you vote by mail, everybody votes by mail in that state. And and so that helps turn out, you know, as long as you're turning your ballot, you know, you're getting your votes counted. And I, so, you know, but in Florida, we've always been the Wild West. I mean, you know, stuffing ballot boxes, you know, in Florida has always been an issue. You have the people in South Florida to go around and try and collect ballots. That's always been an issue. Um, you know, and, and, and you look at the, the, the machines that we had in the 19th century, like Tamiami Hall, uh, you know, in such a, a you know, in, in the Boss Tweeds and such, you know, so you're giving a, a quick history lesson to folks, but election in this country have always been a little iffy. I mean, if you look back at during the Civil War, President Lincoln wasn't even on the ballot in certain states, you know, uh, the, during his reelection during the middle of the war. So, you know, it, it, the fact that we have some of the safest uh, uh, elections and yet there's still this red herring, this boogeyman out there of election fraud is, is absolutely you know, ludicrous in many ways. I mean, you can count 
uh, on maybe one hand, how many actual issues of election fraud there are uh, in our state. And the fact that uh, DeSantis is is spending, wasting our money, you know, trying to crack down on a non-existent issue. It's sad. And Mark, I really don't give a damn uh, if my rant is boring. You know, you can suck it. And so can DeSantis and all of his cronies. You know, the fact is, is that legal cannabis has been ranked again in 2021, cultivated cannabis for state legal adult use at $5 billion, more than $5 billion, making it this nation's sixth most valuable crop. And so only corn, soybeans, hay, wheat, and cotton bring in more money than cannabis. And in three states, Alaska, Massachusetts, and New Jersey, cannabis grown for the legal marketplace is the single most valuable crop. So the fact that we have a government that is not on board with, with, with making money, especially in a time where we can definitely be making money and, 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 and generating tax revenues uh, from this, is sad. And I think one of the issues that we continue to have is, well, we don't need to tax this uh, into the, back into the legacy market. And that's one of the issues that we have in California. Florida is so far away from becoming California. So I want folks to realize that as well. Um, but all in all, when in a recent study, according to data in the journal of studies on alcohol and drugs, consumer decisions on whether to purchase cannabis products from the legal market or the unregulated market are influenced primarily by price and convenience. Canadian researchers surveyed more than 11,000 marijuana consumers in the U.S. and Canada, and people say they're more likely to forego accessing marijuana from the legal marketplace if they believe they can obtain a cheaper product more conveniently from unregulated sources. Which is important. Why, why, make sure you know your plug, because there are guys out there, uh, I, I hate to, to rank on this for even just a second, but uh, who, who sell fentanyl along with cannabis, and sometimes it, the fentanyl is in the air when they're packing up the cannabis and it may get actually into the, into that stuff. So no, no, the guys you're dealing with. And of course, if you have a MMTC that has a decent strain that you have access to wonderful, that's what we're working towards. That's what we're hoping to get. And we still have to continue to evolve our market to make things happen. Somebody also mentioned the electoral college outside of the presidential election doesn't make any difference. Uh, but, yeah, we need to get rid of the Electoral College because it was it was made by landowners who wanted to maintain the vote, who didn't believe that the uh, individual voter really was smart enough to make their own choice. And so therefore, they were going to make it for them. In yeah, it's screw college. <laughs> well, you know, Gary, also to point to historical facts is that the Electoral College was also a way to give the smaller slave owning states uh, more representation in, in electoral politics than, than the larger northern ones uh, like New York and such. Well, that was basically, especially in the Senate. Yeah, that's exactly, it was the great equalizer, as it was called at that point in time. Uh, so that, but uh, we needed to discuss uh, who is uh, on the ballot locally, because people are going to be voting if they haven't already yeah. over the next two days. And, you know, and, and Tuesday is, is coming up very, very fast. And, and real quick, you know, we had some people talk about ranked choice voting. Uh, in Alaska, they recently tried this out with ranked choice voting. And I thought that was interesting is that, you know, you pick three candidates. If your first candidate doesn't get it, then your votes go to the second choice that you have. And then and then down to the third if, if that second person doesn't win. So, you know, that's the interesting thing. But for me, I think the biggest thing that could help change the landscape of our elections is if we had primary runoffs in our state. Because you can win a primary without a majority of the vote. 
If there's six people running in the party primary, you know, you really only need 16% of the vote to win. Everybody else gets 15 and you get 16, you win. It's a winner take all primary. If we had primary runoffs that required someone to get 50% or more, uh, you know, a simple majority of the votes, that would change things tremendously. We would, we would actually see more wheeling and dealing. We would see more compromise. We would see more people, uh, uh, you know, actually going to the center rather than running to this hyper-partisanness that we have in this country that where nothing is getting done in Congress. And so we, we really need to make a change. But all in all, um, you know, the candidates that we have on the ballot are the candidates that we have. And so between DeSantis and Chris, votes got to go to Chris. Between Demings and Rubio, votes going to have to go to Demings. You know, looking at uh, other races on the ballot, uh, Attorney General Aramis Ayala came on his show and killed it. You know, and, and, and the and, and the fact that she herself, while she was the state attorney, was subject to police misconduct and, 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 and being pulled over and harassed just shows that that is the type of person uh, that we want to have in office to make sure our law enforcement is being held accountable and that we're having the proper criminal justice reforms versus Ashley Moody, who has just essentially jumped on uh, you know, the DeSantis bandwagon. And rather being the attorney general for the people of Florida, she's been Ron DeSantis's personal culture wars prosecutor. And that, that, that is not what we need as a people. No, like guys, I'm, I'm upset that you guys managed to piss off Mark Santiago without me. Yeah, I, t- I, t- I told him he, I told him he could suck it, and he got mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what, what this was about. <laughs> yeah, he said my rant was boring, so I decided to spice it up. So whatever, you know, no, that's okay. <laughs> so we we have a bunch of local elections we need to, to deal with as far as our state legislature is concerned. Yeah, it's very possible they might not take up any legislation whatsoever. Uh, I do actually hear that there is actually a bill that's being built right now and supported by MMTC to uh, ban all hemp-derived cannabinoids. You mm. hear that, Charles? A, 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 a billion-dollar industry in the state of Florida alone uh, that, that, that is taking care of the uh, <clears throat> uh, a lot of people uh, in regards to filling in that market gap from the legal and the, and the, uh, the legacy market is being uh, put on the ballot, essentially. Now, you're not, you're not going to see any uh, ballot initiatives uh, as far as cannabis is concerned. I think we're still going to see ballot initi- uh, some legislation that's going to go uh, south for us. That's, that's easy for them to do. And by the way, the only people who really can put something on the ballot right now is the legislature. Brandon's mm. proof that right there because he, he decided that we should not have the uh, Constitutional Revision Committee, and it's on the ballot. No problem. We so, try to put a ballot initiative on regards to anything. They could they could put years of work into it, like uh, like Florida Normal did, and like the uh, Regulate Florida people did, and never get anywhere. And they may never get anywhere, just because of the way that the legislature has set it up. They really have taken a monopolizing control over the ballot initiatives. Here's the you thing. Need to here's, concentrate here's, on the legislature. Here's the thing. All right. Here's why Florida is fucked. And you can see it in these these two comments. It's it's two comments because he couldn't uh, get one comment right. But, um, dude, like this is cognitive dissonance at its best. This is Mark Santiago. This is this man has been working with Florida Normal. I've seen him for years trying to to be on on the same side as us, right? Uh, fighting for marijuana 
marijuana reform. And he's just like, there's this a cognitive dissonance that, that I, I, I don't understand. How are you two blindly biased? There are 46 minutes to this show. You guys have not shut up the entire time. You guys have given <laughs> reasons the entire time behind what you're saying. Uh, granted, I've been in and out of the show, but I, I, I promise you that it's 47 minutes soon. Uh, uh, nothing but good, logical reasons of who you should vote for. And yet you guys are the ones that are blindly biased. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Here's what's blindly biased. You're not going to change cannabis in Florida if you vote Republican. I'm sorry. That's that's the fact. It's going to keep things stagnant. The marijuana, the true leave is going, true leave and all the MSOs are going to remain in charge of the business, right? And patients are going to continue to be screwed over, right? That's the way it is, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We've been doing this in Florida, and we've got to change it. We've got to change it. And it keeps on going. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we, we could possibly talk to, uh, uh, to the Republican uh, legislators and the candidates, which we've been doing. We offered everybody an, an open uh, open door to come on the show as far as Republicans are concerned. They don't give a and shit. Yeah, they don't we wanna, didn't do that well. It's getting them on. Brass came on. Uh, and uh, Nancy Mace from uh, South Carolina came on. And we were very grateful because they were very open-minded. They were very libertarian, if I can use that word with a small L. And yeah. uh, basically ha have the people in mind. This is not to say that everybody who is Republican has the people in mind. Sometimes they have their special interests in mind, the people who fund their campaign. You yourself said, Chris, before, Republicans have a much easier time of bringing in money than the Democrats do. And that's what we've seen this at this last election where it's even the governor's race. We have a uh, governor with a hundred million dollar purse and we have his, uh, his competitor who had uh, tens of millions and they had to compete against each other uh, on the same playing level. But then again, the Republicans have no problem getting money from, uh, from a uh, big lobbyist who expects something in return. They expect a, a quid pro quo for the money that they give them. And it shows, it, it shows in a lot of election, a lot of the legislature that they push. That is not to say that all Republicans are the same. Some people can, you can actually sit down and talk with them at a certain level. You have to find something that they have skin in the game with, something that, that rings with them, and you have to move with that. In regards to Matt Gates, his father was friends with somebody who needed cannabis when he was dying, and he gave it to him. And so Gates, even though he... he essentially has been crazy out there in D.C., he came to the realization the cannabis legislation was important. He got that from his father. Well, let me let me hop on that race. Matt Gates is in a contested uh, race with, uh, you know, Rebecca Jones, who was famous for being the whistleblower on the DeSantis administration cover-up COVID death numbers. And, you know, uh, Rebecca sent back in her questionnaire. Matt did not. And I would say that, you know, when it comes to between Rebecca Jones and Matt Gates, uh, based on the fact that Matt Gates has all these other baggage as well uh, with, you know, allegedly paying for uh, teenage girls to have sex with him by Venmoing uh, his his buddy, Joel Greenberg, uh, you know, so they could these girls would hang out. I mean, all in all, I'm mean, like, that's just like, dude, that's not the guy we want in Congress. So I got to I got to give the vote to Jones in that race. I'm Matt Gates. Down. 
to me. Yeah, and you'd actually uh, fill out our, our questionnaire too, which was kind of nice. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, yeah, Rebecca uh, Jones is a badass man. Yeah. Now, I do want to address kind of this thing uh, of Mark saying that thinking that we're just shitting on Republicans. Let me give you a prime example of what a good Republican looks like. State Senator Kamara Barlotta from Washington County in Pennsylvania is trying to currently change the DUI laws in that state because in 2019, um, a, a, at a checkpoint in Williamsport, a medical marijuana patient was pulled over. They asked him, you know, did you have any illegal drugs? He says, no, I just have my medical cannabis, which is in the bed of my truck. So obviously he can't access it. Police tell him to pull over in a parking lot where they take his medical cannabis from him. They do a field sobriety test. He passed the test and he's still charged with a DUI because a blood test found trace amounts of THC in his blood. And Pennsylvania law says if you have any amount of marijuana in your system, you can be charged with a DUI, even if you're a medical marijuana patient and not impaired. So the fact that there is a, a state senator who's a Republican that wants to change that law, that wants to do right for the patients, those are the type of Republicans that I will support for office. So don't think that I'm just some hyperpartisan hack. I want to see people actually do something. And you know what, Mark? In the past four years, not a goddamn Republican has done jack shit in the Florida legislature when it comes to protecting employment for medical marijuana patients, when it comes to protecting discrimination in medical practices, like getting kicked out of a nursing home or off the organ transplant list. Not a damn one of them has done anything to expand the qualifying conditions, and not a single one of them has done jack shit when it comes to actually making sure that there is affordable and safe access. So you can call me all the names you want all day. You can you make fun of, of everything. But the fact is that your people that you're supporting aren't doing anything for you and aren't doing anything for the patients. And I'm going to continue to speak up and be a voice of truth in this space, whether the MSOs like it, whether the politicians like it, and whether... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member, because that is how you become part of the change. You can find The Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night. <laughs>